0: Welcome to the Advocate Like a Mother podcast, we're here to empower and inspire you to use your voice. I'm Michelle. I'm Andy. And I'm Eliana. I'm so excited you guys, today we are bringing you our very first guest host podcast. We have our good friend Liz from Ruby's Rainbow and she interviews her good friend Kelly Hampton. Andy, why don't you tell us all about this interview.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I won't necessarily tell you all about the interview. I'm not gonna give. <laughs> I'm not gonna give you guys all of that. You're gonna have to hold on here just a minute until we get there. But I am really excited that this is our first um, guest host episode. So um, here's the deal. If you haven't heard about this yet, this is like the equivalent of like an Instagram takeover or, or something of the like. We we give the microphone and we give the reins to someone else um, to, uh, to to. To interview and to talk to someone that they know that they really feel like needs a voice in this space and um, you know that's really something we're working on uh, with this show is is part of uh, some of the things you've seen on the website is that we're, we're looking for ways to really make this more of a community podcast so that means we're we're looking for ways to give the show away and give you the ability to have your voice um, in addition to that making it so that uh, you know so many other people can come on to the show regardless if you are a specialist in your area if you are or just someone who is looking for space to advocate uh, for your person or your family member and what they're doing, um, this is another way to do that. So Um, What you're going to hear is our friend Liz is actually going to be interviewing Kelly Hampton, as Michelle said, as her own guest. And so uh, none of us three are on this episode. You will not hear our voices. Um, And we are so excited uh, to have our friend Liz on the show. So without further ado, welcome to the show.
2: Hello, friends, and welcome to the Advocate Like a Mother podcast. My name is Liz Plakta, founder of Ruby's Rainbow, and it is my pleasure to join you today as the first official guest-hosted episode. Before we get started, just wanted to briefly invite you to check out Ruby's Rainbow at rubysrainbow.org, where we are supporting people with Down syndrome and achieving their dreams of higher education while spreading awareness of their capabilities and general awesomeness. I'm excited to host my very first ever podcast, so let's get into my interview with Kelly Hampton. All right all right all right here we go. Uh, today my guest is Kelly Hampton. Kelly has contributed to parents, parenting, Martha Stewart's Whole Living, good housekeeping, NPR's All Things Considered and Magnolia Journal. She is the New York Times best-selling author of Bloom that's my favorite thing to say. <laughs> making me sound so nice. I know. Kelly has also created several online courses and guides, which have served thousands of students and readers. I've taken several of her courses. The framed one um, was one of my favorites, especially the one that I got to do with Ella when you did like the family version. That was so much fun. She also happens to be the vice president of my nonprofit, Ruby's Rainbow, Um, the creative force behind a lot of our campaigns. And a lot of you probably know her from her award-winning blog. Enjoying the Small Things where she shares her creative heart, bucket list, family, and all things in between. All this sounds so fancy. No, <laughs> could you just send me a copy of what you just said? <laughs> I oh, it was awesome. Like it. So fancy since I just know you as my, you know, goofy sidekick and, you know, loyal friend. Thank you so much for being here today on the Advocate Like Mother podcast. And thank you for being my very first ever podcast guest. I hope I don't suck at this. <laughs>
3: So exciting! I'm, you're doing a great job so far. <laughs> Very <laughs> impressed. You have a great announcer voice. Pumping. Oh, thank you, Just thank sing you. Theme song, and I'm sure we could do that. You know, we could hum something. Do do do.
2: All right. So just a quick little backstory. Um, Kelly and I were brought together by that magical little extra chromosome. We have uh, both have daughters with Down syndrome. Um, do you remember when we first met?
3: I do. I remember <laughs> it vividly. First of all, I remember you emailed me and you're like,
2: hey. Yeah. Well, you had done a post about um, wanting to be the bullhorn for an organization that like, I think your words literally were an organization that's helping students with Down syndrome go for post-secondary education or something like that. And I, I remember reading that and going, like, my palms started sweating. And I was like, oh, my God. Like there's, you talking to me? That's me? Because there was literally no organization, and there still isn't, with their sole mission is to grant scholarships to people with Down syndrome and, you know, spread the awareness. So I was like, oh my gosh, I am like a sat up drinking wine, emailing you this whole like, you know, long email. It, I mean, honestly, it was one of those where just like
3: planets collided because we, I think Nella was three, we had done a fundraiser for her birthday for the first three years and it was mm-hmm. amazing. And the NDSS is amazing. And we had done that and so much of it was on, you know, uh, in her first three years, I focused a lot on babies and new parents. And that was right. amazing. But the more that I got into uh, talking with families and seeing what was needed, the more that I heard from parents with adults that just said there's so much for little kids available and there's just not as much for adults. And we right. just kind of wanted to shift and do something different. And so I had mentioned to Brett, like, we should start something. He's like, before you reinvent the wheel, why don't you see if something's already out there? And along came your little email that was like, hi,
2: I'm Liz. And we just at- like, but next morning I woke up and checked, you know, my email before I even got out of bed on my phone. And you would email me back and was like, this is exactly what I was looking for you know, your email brought me to tears, blurbity blur. And I remember Tim had come out of the shower and I was like reading it to him. Like he was still like had a towel wrapped around his waist and he was like, Oh my God, could you imagine if Kelly Hampton was on our, you know, board of directors or something like that? And I was like, well, Hey, now she's the VP.
3: <laughs> I think it was like after the email, it was like a month later, we were sleeping in a queen bed together and in Hampton Inn in
2: South I Carolina Oh, and- what an amazing trip that was. Oh my gosh, that was just um, un- unbelievable. I kind of want to talk a little bit about some of our trips and yeah. maybe what, you know, some of the most, you know, impactful moments might have <laughs> been. Um, but uh, I, I know what drew me to want to help other people with Down syndrome when Ruby was so little. I mean, she popped out and I, I basically was like, I just need to see the possibilities people, you know, like, you know, cause I didn't know anything about Down syndrome, right? Yeah. Uh, so I really just needed to know that things were gonna be okay, that her her life was gonna be okay. And of course I wanted to help people with Down syndrome, you know, be the best that they could be. So that was in my heart too. Um, but what drew you to want to advocate for the older generation when Nella was so young?
3: I'll tell you the exact moment. First of all, I wasn't where, where, where you were when Nella was born. I could only, adulthood was very hard for me to look at. And even if someone said, I have hope for you come, I was like, no, I can't even go there. I can only <laughs> stay in babies. And yeah. so I just focused on that babyhood. I remember the the furthest I could go was about five years old. Someone had sent me a picture, and I think it was, God, I, I, um, heard, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but the baby, the, at that time, Lila was the little girl, and uh-huh. she. I'd seen a picture, and I used to carry that picture around with me when Nella was a baby, and she was only maybe, Lila was maybe three or four years old, and I, to just to see that toddlerhood was gonna look okay. That was as far as I could go. When Nella was six months old, I went to the conference didn't even stay long that was hard like I just I thought that adulthood it was just I couldn't even go there I don't know why I couldn't because once I finally did I was like oh my god this is like right <laughs> it was like go you get on a dance floor with a bunch of adults with dancing. some you're like oh my what was I, mean, I-?
2: Yeah. that's life you
3: haven't lived till you've done that like for, no, for real. But I remember one of the moments that it hit me and it was I don't remember exactly. Nella was still a baby, and I had started to go to a local Valentine's Day dance for all the people in our community um, that have special needs. And
2: mm-hmm.
3: this beautiful dance, it was in a church gym, and um, they, there were all these like boyfriend and girlfriends, and they were dancing, and there were balloons and music, and I, I went and was kind of photographing it. And I was still, I was so new to the community at that point. And I remember just looking at these, you know, 30 something year old, there was one particular guy I remember watching and I looked over in the corner and I saw his mom, you know, who's 60 60-something years old. And I just saw her standing there watching him. And it was this huge emotional moment of just, I don't do this anymore, but at that point, I was looking at him thinking of like, what would his life be if he didn't have Down syndrome? And I I, I used to have more sad attachments, which I don't at all anymore. Right. Right. And I remember talking to the mom and just the more parents I talked to that night, getting um, the feel that they were excited for me, that I was so new on the journey, but I could tell it was different for them once they had graduated high school and once all those things that provided to them are gone that there was right. so much more work for the parents right. to find things for their kids to stay socialized and just mm-hmm. and, and I started realizing like wow there's a huge I was bombarded in the beginning when Nella was a baby with just all their play groups the organization oh, for you know, sure so yeah much
0: available
2: and then you just started to realize there's a huge need you wonder like what happens you know yeah. I mean for me it was like you know, you do have all these supports when you're little and, you know, these friendships, but like, you know, most of my true friendships happened after I I flew the coop. Right. And, you know, to me, I mean, you know, my friends and are like my family, like community to me is everything. And so, you know, I really was just seeking like, oh my gosh, is she going to have that? You know, is she going to have community? Is she going to, Be loved and valued by the people around her, you know, and so I think that's kind of what had me really seeking the older crowd was, you know, is she going to have that and so. You know, like you think of
3: like where we meet our friends now, too. And I know that I've met a lot of my friends through play groups or uh, parents of kids in my that Lainey goes to school with, parents of her friends. And so you think mm-hmm. about like where do you meet you meet friends in college? You may mm-hmm. meet friends in your workplaces. And so, I mean, that is the, yeah, the social aspect is what we all want more than anything. is just we want them to have a group of people that they love. And so right. um, I and didn't know exactly. how, many, how, how many opportunities there were past age 21 where they're meeting people and right. you know where they gain their confidence.
2: Right. Um, okay, as some of you know, Kelly and I, uh, we get to travel around the country, uh, visiting recipients, um, telling their stories. Kelly takes uh, the photos of um, our Ruby and Nella, October awareness campaign, which have been some of the most epic, adorable and amazing photos ever, you know, basically through, through those photos, we're trying to show these little, little girls that, you know, have so much, you know, potential and possibility. We're just trying to, to show there is more, right. And, and for people to start dreaming big and to really, you know, see just how amazing and capable people are with Down syndrome. But we've had a lot of big adventures together. What is the most or what has been the most meaningful one where you may have had an aha moment or something that just really hit home that you took with you that, you know, really made a difference? I mean, I feel like I've had one each time. uh, But if there's one that is there one that like stands out for you on... There definitely is because it was a full circle moment. And that was the very first
3: trip. It was Allie Hale. Mm-hmm. And, and then that was our last, one of our last trips too. So it was both times. Uh, the very first trip we went together, we went to w- Western, Western Carolina University. University. Mm-hmm. And at that point, again, it was my first time like you had told me we just Jumped in this trip, and it was still new to me that, like, oh my God, there's people downtown that actually go to college and live in dorms. Yeah. And we were standing in Allie had we had gone into her dorm, and she was showing us uh, her dorm. And I remember walking in, and it just looked like any regular college dorm. She had her cute little bedding in her bed, and pictures of her family. And yeah. there was a plaque on her wall with the newspaper article from her town in Hickory. And Hickory? it said- Yeah, Hickory. It said, I remember the title was like, Hickory Youth Fulfils Dreams of Going to College. I took a picture of that. Yeah, I, I just, remember that. I had this, I just started crying immediately. Seeing here's this girl in this, in this dorm, excited as any teenager would be. And then to see this newspaper article. it was just, it was, and then, it was full circle for me having a baby with Down syndrome at the time or yeah. a toddler mm-hmm. thinking of like, God, Nella's name could be in the paper of like, right. how many of us never, ever thought this was possible. And then the cool thing was that what, four years later, we got yeah. to visit her after she had finished her program mm-hmm. in her house. Mm-hmm. All, it was in the fall, which we don't get fall in Naples. So remember where they were, yeah, yeah. and she had this darling house where she lived in, independently with a friend and we had yeah, surprised yeah. her with a little home makeover and we made dinner that night and her parents came over and she and cooked us dinner she cooked us dinner and we had when we ate outside in the patio in the fall and there was this moment when she was cooking and we poured wine and all of us were just having a glass of wine together and someone turned some music on you remember that we were yeah we were dancing
2: in the kitchen yeah. Absolutely. We were all
3: just like arms yeah. in the air, dancing, hugging, foods on the stove. And it was like one of those moments that we all dream of that I know, like some of my happiest moments as a mom and as a wife are dancing in the kitchen, cooking dinner with Absolutely. my parents, glass of wine. And yeah. the fact that everything that we aspired to be, that this, that Allie had the exact same thing. So that was definitely yeah. my big aha moments. And then we also got to go visit her in her workplace and see her working with students and in the, the class. Yeah,
2: that was amazing just to see how her passion, you know, she could live out her her dreams and her pat, you know, like her passion is kids, you know, yeah. and so for me to be able to see her and a lot of our recipients being able to do things that they love, you know, um and have good working environments is everything you know it just brings me so much hope for ruby um just in case she doesn't want to take over the ruby's rainbow empire but anyway she very well could and then (laughs) i'll want to be part of
3: it um i think the biggest thing about that too is just that so many of us when you when you have a diagnosis you're pregnant for nine months and you, we can't help it with all the baby magazines and everything. You can't help but visualize what it's going to look like, what they're going to look like, what they're going to do. They're, you know, How many parents have held a, a day-old child, and they're like, their fingers are long. They're going to be a piano player. They're like, we have all, we just, right. we think of all these things that they're going to be. And the minute you get a diagnosis, so many parents, I think, just think they have to reel in dreams. Like, we just start... Discarding, like almost to save ourselves the heartbreak, we we just reel in all these things, and then when you go on these Ruby's Rainbow trips, and you realize, God, all these th- things that I shelved, that I thought, like, don't get your hopes up so that you're not disappointed. How right. many, how many people have we visited that we've seen um, relationships, marriage, driving a car? I mean, one yes. of our last. Um, scholarships that we got to deliver was the
2: girl who had Christina yeah Yeah. she's got it she bought her own car with her money she saved saved from working yeah oh my god
1: so if
3: anything all of it has just taught me like put up put put all the dreams back on the shelf and the more that you talk about your child and put into the universe that they are gonna when we talk about Nella we Mm -hmm. don't we don't do that thing where like, when we talk about Laney, we're like, oh, when you have kids someday, or then we get Nella, we don't get careful. We don't say, Look. we just throw it out there. We say, when you're in love, when you get like, yeah. just, it's all possible because the more that you reel those things in out of caution or to save yourself from heartbreak, the more that you lower a standard and they, you know, it, it really affects them when you stop making yeah. that, uh, some, a dream for them as well, you know, right. throw it out in the universe. Because- I know.
2: Well, that's a huge part of, you know, why we do and share, you know, what we do is just to hopefully give those dreams back to people, you know, just say, Hey, don't throw Don't sweep that under the rug. Like just throw it out there, you know, cause it's not going to harm anything if you have these huge big dreams, you know, sure. it's only going to help them achieve them. So and how many people that don't have a disability also? We've all
3: had things that we threw out there that maybe didn't come true. And it's not. Oh, of like- course. Okay. I wanted
2: to be a flight attendant when I was 21, and that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know before these adventures together um, and seeing how our recipients um, are making a huge impact on their communities, um, becoming more independent. You know, I wasn't sure what the possibilities for Ruby or what her future could look like, you know, before any of that. So uh, before Ruby's rainbow, you know, what were your expectations for Nella? Like before, you know, you kind of started getting out there and seeing, Uh yeah. I think we, our, our thing that we always said in the beginning,
3: both Brett and I, and this is just sort of a cliche thing that parents say is just like, I want, I just want my child to be happy. I just want them to be happy there's a couple things here now that one of the things that I've added to that after doing the work of Ruby's Rainbow is I want my child, um, to have the satisfaction and the joy that comes from contributing. I want her to contribute to the world in a meaningful way, and I want her contributions to be recognized. That's what I say. I used to be, um, more specific about those contributions in the mm-hmm. very beginning people used to say oh i know someone that went down the center and they bag my groceries and i used to get a used to get offended by that like mm-hmm. i don't want my child to bag groceries now that's gone if she wants to bag groceries let her bag
2: groceries bag, yeah bag
3: them away like yeah so <laughs> that, but i think the biggest thing um Other than just being happy uh is contribution i think that's one of the things that that unites us all as humans every single human somehow we want to know that something we do something we have one of our talents um one of our gifts that it makes a difference in the world and to have that difference recognized is just what any human wants so i just want her to have opportunities to contribute
2: i mean i think everybody wants to feel like they make a difference right like I mean, that's just um, a part of being human.
1: Whether you are advocating for your child with a disability or for injustice, everyone needs to be reminded that you are not alone and to keep fighting for what matters. Michelle started Littlest Warrior after her son Eli was born with Down syndrome and a heart defect and she was introduced to the world of advocacy. Littlest Warrior Apparel is here to make sure you look good while you advocate. Get your message out there and spread awareness without saying a word. Littlest Warrior has teas for almost every diagnosis out there. Go to littlestwarrior.com and use code ADVOCATE for a special discount for listeners. Now, back to the show.
2: So a lot of people in the Down syndrome community know your story, either by following you on Instagram or having read your book, Bloom. What first inspired you to begin telling your story and where do you find or draw inspiration to continue using your voice in that community? This all started probably with with sharing her birth story.
3: Yeah. At that point, it had nothing to do. Sorry to say, with making a difference, I didn't want to make a difference. In, the beginning. in fact, when she was in the hospital and people were like, "Oh, this is amazing," you know, you're gonna this your your, your story is always me. Like, no, I'm not going to marches. I'm not going to. Buddy- I did not want that. Would I did not want to be. I don't want to make a difference in anybody's life. <laughs> and then a week later, it was just out of like, I just was caring. I just had to get it out. It was almost therapy. Like I had to write the story of um, just the honest account of the fact that I was shocked and um, I can freely use this word now, that I was disappointed. I was devastated. I was, and just to be honest about that, and once I had delivered that and kind of dumped it into the universe and, I felt like I could finally move on. And then once you started hearing from the community and, and mm-hmm. was bombarded at that point with the internet and the way it was in, in 2010 of sharing and just the mm-hmm. response that came and realizing how many people were out there, how many people wanted an honest account, how many people wanted to know that it was okay to say, I am so, so sad and this isn't what I thought it was gonna be, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm gonna do yeah. this. And, most important, it wasn't necessarily like I felt like I needed to advocate or make a difference. Um, I felt like I needed to be honest. I felt like the most yeah. important at that time, what people needed was honesty, that yeah. it is okay to say, "This makes me sad or um, the, you know, I, I think so many people the minute you, you hear all the you're given the the Holland poem and everything, you just immediately <laughs> think like. I have to be an inspiration and that it was just okay to just be so right. honest about what it's like to have a child with special needs yeah and then of course you start realizing wow this is making a difference and that people are hearing this story from all different places and people are writing and saying thank you for being honest or mm-hmm. um, and i also felt a need to show life of raising a child with special needs without it being a special needs blog you could be following along and it could take you two weeks to realize like, oh, oh I-
2: she has a kid with dancing. Yeah.
3: And so yeah. that I think was the most important thing. And there are so many other people doing it right now. And it's mm-hmm. one of many that are sharing their story. And, and, but I think that makes a difference. And I think it's just sort of desensitizes people to think you know, th- there's two components of it. There's one sharing your story definitely makes a difference with people, people who have a child with special needs or people that are new to the journey and it gives them hope. But I almost yeah. think more important is that community that doesn't have a child with special needs and yeah. needs to know how normal life is and to talk to their kids about disability and that we should be talking about it. We should be normalizing it. And these right. kids, growing up, if we saw someone in a wheelchair you know, our parents always said, like, Shh, don't stare, don't look. Right. And so This
2: new generation is saying, like, yeah. why? why not? You're kidding. Not. Not. Let's ask questions. Her. Yeah. I know. It's kind of, you know, like when people, if I'm with Ruby and they ask, well, what's her name or how old is she? You know, it's like, well, ask her. <laughs> yeah. <Exactly. laughs> you know, like wanting people to know that. They're people too. And you know, you can you can talk to them just like anybody else. And if, you know, for some reason they can't answer you, they're gonna communicate the best way that they can. And yeah. you know I um, think it's
3: talking a lot about just the dignity of uh a human life and how valuable Evan, and just from having Nella, it's it's made me It's changed my perspective on any minority group, like even I'll be at Costco and even people that are older, you know, just to think Mm -hmm. of like how many groups of people do we not notice or do we patronize or do we, and just
0: having
3: this feeling, you realize the importance of every single person,
2: the value. I know to look them in the eyes and ask them questions and... I think that's one of the most beautiful things that I, I mean, you know, I've always kind of been, you know, a people person and very, you know, um, you know, just kind of happy and always feel like I've been kind and all of these things, right? But I feel like what I got out of the main thing that I've learned, not out of, that doesn't sound right, but one of the main things I've learned, you know, having a child with Down syndrome is what you were just saying. It's that it opens your eyes to so many different things. Like I would have never thought about that. Like, you know, the old, well, I mean, of course I, like I said, I'm a compassionate and kind person, But but it really does kind of open your eyes in a completely different way um, the way you just look at everything.
3: Well, you know? I can remember specifically something that you said. I've thought about this many times. We were on one of our trips. I think it was in Detroit when we were taking the photos of the girls. Oh, yeah. And there were just some homeless people that were sleeping, you know, on the street. And I remember you overhearing you tell Alomé, and this is just probably the person you are, as opposed to not necessarily Ruby, <laughs> Um, and, and I don't like, uh, we were raised that when you go into the big city and you see homeless people asking for money, it was always, and this is terrible to think about it, And it's not like, it's not like my, it was just that, I don't know if it was the generation or what, but we were like, yeah. just keep walking. Don't look at anybody because if you look at them, they're going to ask for something. And so yeah. we would just like, don't look, don't look, don't look. And I remember specifically you saying on that trip, you told Ella May, you always look everybody. We you might not have a dollar to give them. You don't have to give them anything, but everybody <laughs> deserves you to look them in the eye and say, "Hey, good morning. Hey, how you doing?"
2: Aww. And so we
3: would be. And I remember you making a point to tell LMA that, and you would look at every single
2: person sleeping on the street, and you were like, "Hey." what's up? Oh, hey, I morning. do tell them day. that actually. Yeah. Cause oh. I do. And you know, if I'm driving by on the street, you know, and I'll wave or whatever, you know, if there's somebody like on the corner, cause I feel like they, they deserve to be seen and heard and well, and that's know. what we've learned in this journey. And that's
3: what I feel like. I think so many people out of discomfort or not wanting to say the wrong thing, or when we were younger, it was like, "Don't, don't stare because they're gonna think you're looking at their, you know, their leg or whatever." And right. I, I think what it does is it creates your children by you not saying anything, by you, by you pretending you don't notice, and you think that you're teaching them like not to stare so that you don't draw attention, that's actually a horrible thing to teach someone is don't give somebody attention. If there's right. anything we deserve in, as humans, it's attention. And, you know, Absolutely. if you're in a wheelchair, like, the uh, thing is up, I'm in a wheelchair, okay? It's fine <laughs> that your child is looking or whatever it is. Like, I just think that everybody yeah. deserves to be looked at in the eye and valued as a person. And having Nella has taught me that because I I was part of the group before that just, I didn't know what to say about disability, yeah. so I just sort of
2: ignored it. Right, I know. I think that's where a lot of people, um, you know, what you know, where a lot of people are, and they just, you know, I think that's a huge part of us being so open and honest about everything. And I never fault anybody for, you know, what I mean. Like I'm always, I come from a place of, uh, you know, like if somebody says something that's not appropriate, or you know uses, even uses the R word, you know, yeah. like I come at it with a, oh my goodness, you need to go take a naked lap around the cul-de-sac because that's what people
3: do when they use that word, <laughs> you know, and I, you tell me that and I love that I, it's such a funny, like everyone has a different approach, but I love that too, that you kind of like add a little yeah. sarcasm, but uh, also with compassion like, we don't say that, do a
2: lap, you know, Yeah, and it's like, uh, you know, because some people they don't get it. I'm sure I say the wrong things a lot of times, you know, about things and not wanting to, and, you know, knowingly wouldn't do that. Right. So it's our job as any parent, not even of a kid with special needs, but just as a parent to, you know, show the world compassion and that our kids are amazing and raise them to be capable little humans, you know, um, so uh, even though we are both kind of in the public eye because our daughters have Down syndrome, me probably more so than you, because you really, like you were saying, your blog is—you might go a couple weeks and not even know that no Nella has Down syndrome, but you sure. know, my organization is
3: <laughs> about Down. Syndrome.
2: Yeah. But you know, it's not on the forefront of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. You know it really it really isn't i mean our girls are just our girls it's ruby and nella and you know we just treat them as you know little human beings little individual human beings um but i guess my question is what would you say to a new mom who just found out their child was going to have down syndrome you know who may feel like their world is completely turned upside down the way you did when nella was yeah. born
3: i always have I, those are my favorite emails to receive. And I always say the same oh, thing. The those same are my brain. favorite know,
2: emails but, too, uh, but continue.
3: <laughs> so I always, usually I receive them from someone who received it, the diagnosis prenatally. Mm-hmm maybe when they have their baby, they're so busy they don't have time. When if they have it at birth, you're so busy the baby, but I get a lot of prenatal diagnoses and they're you know just devastated. I remember one email I had one time, she had just left her genetic counselors. I mean, said, I'm in the parking lot and I can't breathe. I don't like, I just thought to Amelia and my, I always love to say, Number one, everything you're feeling is normal. Like there's no shame. There's no like, eh, there's nothing that you're feeling. Whatever thought you've had, there's right. absolutely no shame and it's normal. And then I try and go back and put myself in the shoes, which I've been there. And remembering mm. um, just, it was such a loss for me. I just thought I had to give up so much. So I'd love to tell them like, here's what you're going to do. Everything that you've been dreaming about for all these months, you still get all of it. You still get to rock your baby and smell that baby. You still get to pick out the cutest little clothes. You still get to set up their nursery. And I tell them, go to a baby store, go to a baby store, go buy a sleeper, go buy a hat, go buy something. If you have the cradle, set it up early. Set up the crib, keep the dreams alive. Lay a little sleeper, put it out on a chair and keep it out for the next four months, so you get to look at it every single day. Keep the dreams alive. Keep the dream alive and know yeah. that everything right now that you think, you, th- you know, we cry because we think it's a loss and then we realize later, what did we really lose? We didn't really, if anything, I mean, those of us who've been on the journey long enough, we know
2: right. we gained
3: and this is like a, the golden ticket. We got the Willy right. Wonka ticket. But it, <laughs> it just feels like such a loss in the beginning and so anything you can tell them to do, any sort of exercise of like, mm-hmm. what is it that you think you lost? Like, You still get that, you still like, and as far as, ba- sometimes to go 10 years, 20 years is too much, but just to just keep focused on the babyhood. Yeah. You still, you're gonna rock your baby, you're gonna nurse your baby, you're going to you're do all, all the things. things. You don't have to give up anything. Yeah. There's really nothing different. I remember my pediatrician saying too, in the beginning, like, um, I know you You come in here thinking like, okay, hit me. Well, what do I need to know about Down syndrome? And she wrote on a little sheet of paper, like, uh, it's just three things. Like, <laughs> you're gonna have to have a CBC every six months and you're gonna have to have her eyes checked in a year. And uh, you're gonna have to yeah. have her thyroid. So those are the only three that are different than any other baby. So just yeah. go home and see what you're doing. And so- Aww, I love that. Sure them that. They get everything. Like. Yeah. Still, still do
2: balloons, your baby shower, your. well. Shower. So I love that you get them in that stage. And then it's almost like you shuffle them over to me because then I get the emails that are like, Oh my gosh, baby, you know, people would done like the, you know, they go they to college? Little kid, they go to college? Oh my God, okay. You know, so, yeah. you know, I love I love that so much. You know, and then parents, I feel like it just raises that expectation and opens a whole new world. I know that you have met some amazing people. Uh, had some extraordinary experiences. Can you share a time where someone had an impact on your own life that gave you confidence, encouragement, and empowerment?
3: Sometimes it's just, sometimes when you believe in something and you know, and you just, there's a little bit of insecurity, you just need a backup person. And you have done that for me many times. Um, And I think on this particular journey, I think a lot of it is just, there's so many times that we believe our own voice, but we whether it's from naysayers or um, the internet. God, having any sort of job in the internet can definitely oh my be gosh very fearful to say what you really believe. Yeah, and um, I think just without a specific person, just the community at large. There is something about the Down syndrome community, and I think. A lot, and and special needs. There are so many different specific special needs, and we yeah. know with the downstream community, we're just so lucky because to have so many people that have the same, that are on the same journey, and to know at any time mm-hmm. you can say, um, you know, this is what I'm feeling, and there are so many people that feel the exact same way. It's oh my gosh, the community, is, like- yeah. Yeah, like I've never seen before. They have your back no matter what. They are fiercely protective of other people in the Down syndrome community. And I think just knowing, uh, just the knowledge that there's, you know, this army of people that yeah. are there to, yeah. I it, do four hundred thousand f- families in the United <laughs> States. I haven't checked that number in a while. I was was to know that just like it gives you the freedom to say what you want to say and to feel what you feel, knowing um, that you're not you're never alone in and how you feel.
2: Yeah I, would that say is, is yeah, I would
3: say this. Self is confidence.
2: Yeah, I would say this community definitely has brought me. Lots of confidence and um, just something so unexpected. You know, it's something that was just such a perk of that tiny little magical chromosome was this whole world of people that I would have never known. It's sometimes we hold ourselves back and we
3: think I could never do that. I could never make that I could never, um, I could never write a book. I could never do a podcast. I right. could never, because I don't really know what I'm doing or it's going to cost too much money, whatever. And just to right. have someone say like, have you checked? Have you done this first step? Have you sent have an you email? tried?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have
3: you even tried? Or, you know, I, I would love my child to go to college, but like, I, you know, I, they probably don't have that. Have you sent an email? Like, once you <laughs> actually like... Inquire about it. Yeah. You might get an email back that says, absolutely. And we have a grant. You know, do just, it.
2: Yeah. Apply never, to Ruby's like, Rainbow. <laughs>
3: mental hurdle keep you from going for what you yeah. want.
2: Yeah. I for sure feel that because I always, you know, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing when I started Ruby's Rainbow. Um, but yet here, you know, I am, right? Like, yeah. I'm still. Learning every day and I do tell myself a lot of times, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. But you know, obviously some of the things have worked, but I'm still working on building my confidence about it, you know. Well, you're, you're though-
3: incredible. I watched you do, I'm like, how does she even know how to do this? How many people would say, like, I want to start an organization, but I don't know how to do it? I have to have a board now. <laughs> and whatever and just like <laughs> start it you really just like have to start a nonprofit. profit yeah. you can do that for you or whatever like yeah going? and then you ask your neighbor or your friend or somebody who cares
2: like do you want to be on our board and then yeah have it's a little pretty conference. much how it happened yeah. yeah and here we are now kelly 1.2 million dollars in scholarships well, that we've thought? no but I, I mean not i mean yes i you know my dream but Where my dreams were that, but like, you know, just to be here now is. Yeah, I think your first email, I think you
3: actually, because it sounds like a very Liz thing to say, I think you're like, me and my husband have a little old, little organization, (laughs) whatever. And like, you don't get to say little old organization anymore. Like, look what you've done and how much, like, everything starts with an idea and you just put one foot in front of the other and send an email and put out a fundraiser and do and then pretty soon it just turns into what you've done how many
2: scholarships have you given away how many how many um we've given out uh 380 i think so low low organization (laughs) yeah All right, so what movement or progress have you seen in your life from using your voice in social spaces and also where do you still see the opportunity to grow?
3: I think something we always tell ourselves is just, you know, is it doesn't it really matter? Is it making a difference? You know, so, you know, I, I, I've said this, but everybody else is saying the same thing. You know, I'm just one little voice out there and- I think any one person to say, hey, you changed my mind. Oh, yeah. That in itself tells you to keep going. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's also in this day and age and everything that's happening in our world and with social justice and everything, um, learning how important it is to speak up. Um, It's my personality is... I want people to like me. I don't like going I don't like confrontation. Um there are times yeah. when I heard things, people talking about disability or laughing about something that's not funny, learning how powerful it is to speak up and actually say. That's not funny like that. I don't like that you said that. And Or go take a naked laugh. <laughs> go take a naked laugh. And learn. the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes. Right. And I've had some really meaningful conversations that started with confrontation and have brought me closer relationships and people thanking me for speaking up and realizing mm-hmm. that it's important. I mean, I think we've all had an encounter where somebody we love used the, uses the R word. Yeah. and um i've had i i think i've told you one of mine That's that's personal but it was hard it was very hard it was somebody i love that just kept using it and it was and i sort of gave up i just thought i'm not going to do this anymore and then it just it was a hard tearful conversation and the last conversation we had and this was over a year ago never heard it again like it was and it was hugging and thank you. And it was just, I normally avoid things like that. So I think it's just learning like just to use your voice. It doesn't, you're not responsible for the way that somebody responds, Um, but you do have to do your duty to uh, talk. And and I've also learned how to do it. There are certain ways to do it. There is a way, you know, to consider, to listen and do it in a way without shaming people. Right. Yeah, just how important that is, you know, it really does make a difference. And I still find uh, a lot of opportunity, um, especially in the education setting. And we're very fortunate. Nell is still in elementary school. And I gotta tell you, we've had the most amazing experience that it actually, the bar is so high, I'm scared for middle school, because like, I don't see it going anywhere but down from how wonderful our experience has been. Yeah. Um, There are just so many opportunities where people still have this mentality that people with disabilities are sweet and nice and, they just don't realize that they're sweet and nice, but they also are talented and can contribute. And mm-hmm. they don't know. Um, I'm constantly talking about Ruby's rainbow. And like, once you open the world up and and, and make people realize, you do know that, that people with Down syndrome have jobs and drive cars and go to college and live right. with parents and um, yeah. learning how to talk about that more in all sorts of groups.
2: And that changes people's perspectives it so does so does kelly thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today where can our listeners follow and support you on your journey
3: oh girl i'm all over (laughs) (laughs) so you can follow me on instagram at etst which stands for enjoying the small things yes (laughs) ma'am on my blog Kelly Hampton. that is kelly with an e k-e-l-l-e hampton.com you can also sign up for the newsletter um, you want to uh, sign up for the newsletter people you get some good good stuff in there i need to get on that because it's been a little <laughs> it's 2020 has <laughs> pulled back the newsletter efforts but it will be coming again
0: <laughs>
3: all right well thank you so much thank you always fun to talk to you.
1: Oh, well, a huge thank you to Liz and Kelly uh, for that episode. Um, What a fun way to kick off our first uh, guest host episode. Um, Yeah, what'd you think? What uh, what are some takeaways for you? I
0: loved it. They're so fun. They're such a cute friendship, and I love how they met and just, you know, hearing about their adventures that they take, and it's just so cool. Um, One thing I really liked was kelly was talking about like it kind of reminded me of a taylor swift song that says take off like take your hopes high hopes off the shelf or something like that like kind of like dust off your dreams for your kids like i love that just thinking like like you know like eli could drive a car one day or he could you know go to college or do all these things that i kind of you know when i got his diagnosis thought were you know those dreams were dashed you know and so it's just cool to think about
1: yeah yeah definitely i i we um we booked uh you know uh, kaylee williamson um who is the first uh person with down syndrome to uh run uh the half uh austin marathon and so it's it's just exciting to think about like those kinds of you know big ventures and possibilities for our kids like i look at sunflower and i'm like oh yeah like you could totally be like you know really because she's she, she's a, fortunately just real physically active and you know i'm like yeah she could totally she plays soccer like she swims great now at seven like i mean there's just like there is high hopes that we can definitely have for our kids and um yeah i I love that and and they kind of also got into uh just the idea of not um like when you're when you're an advocate and when you're a a, how did they kind of say it like where you're we kind of have this, these limitations we even just put on ourselves you know about like what we think is actually possible for what we can do just that mentality and then them just saying like it's just one step at a time. You just you don't know that you can write a book. You don't know that you could start an organization and raise a million dollars for 380 people, you know, to give away scholarships for college. Like you just you don't know, but it's like you could do something to where you then get scholarships for two, and then five, and then ten, and then twenty, and then next thing you know, you know, you've you've built something. And um I think what was really nice about this conversation for me too, that I I'd kind of appreciate is that you know, they're, they're really involved in in not only the, the day-to-day advocacy for their kids through the same, you know, a lot of the systems that we're all kind of engaging with, school systems and um, society, but that they've both really worked to develop, like, an organization or an entity in which they are putting good back into the world and like advocating in that kind of way, creating a new narrative for what it looks like to celebrate, um, their kids and the community that's around them. And I just think that's something really worth considering for a lot of you out there that might be listening. You know, there is this social environment in which we use our voices and put a lot of energy and thought into, but it also, um, could look amazing if if yes you've wanted to start a podcast or you've wanted to write a book or you've thought hey maybe I can just rally a few people and start raising money to do this one thing here or this one thing there um, do that you know go after that stuff do what you can to develop something that is reinforcing the the positive narrative we do want to bring to the conversation and this isn't to say that on the other side if you don't you know that you're doing it wrong that's not at all what we're saying here we're saying it's just it's just a way of encouraging that. Um, you don 't know what could happen, and taking those first steps towards those things could bring about um, incredible change for you know individuals' lives all around you and um, I think this was really cool to hear from both of them who um, have done that very you know haphazardly Liz confesses she 's like I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> right. And Kelly, when she first started, you know, writing, she's like, I don't, I'm not, I do not want to at all, and I don't want to inspire anybody, you know, like, I'm just, (laughs) I'm just out here trying to survive and do this thing. I'm not going to do that. And it's really just, you know, what became a normal way of just sharing her story and and being vulnerable enough to share with what's going on in her life out there that people really, you know, benefited from her journey. So
0: yeah, and I love how people, you know, really resonated with just her honesty. You know, like just being honest just goes such a long way, and people really appreciate that. And one thing I really liked too was when Kelly was talking about um, how she's telling new moms, like who just got a prenatal diagnosis, to like put a piece of clothing out. You know, and and for my story, that was huge. Um, I had a friend um, bring over some baby boy clothes. It was the first clothes that I got for him. And it was right after we got his diagnosis. And it was so healing just to like, one, think that a friend like saw value in him and, you know, was like, he's going to fit into these six month clothes at some point, (laughs) you know? And so those, those clothes were just, he, you know, such a healing thing for me. And so I, I loved when she said that. Yeah,
1: yeah. That is a beautiful picture, you know, to, to kind of as a, as a very graceful way to kind of step into using your imagination, believing in something right. to come, you know, really kind yeah. of living in a very hopeful mindset, you know, kind of a little bit beyond the present. And so, yeah, that's a good word. I love that.
0: And even just thinking like of Eli's future mm-hmm. too, like th- doing things like that, like putting college posters up in his room, yeah. you know, just... It's just kind of cool to think about.
1: Yeah, oh, that, that is cute. I love that idea. Putting up college posters and thinking of that kind of thing. That's that's awesome. We yeah, that's great. We do need to do more of that. I love that. <laughs> um, well anyhow i hope that you all uh love this conversation if you as liz kind of said as kelly kind of said like i could never do a podcast i could never interview somebody or be a guest well this is your opportunity so we are willing to pass you the mic um and you know let's let's do this together like we want to you know help you guys you know continue to use your voice and explore uh ways that you can share your story and also lift up the stories of others and so um this is a place where we want to create that opportunity so uh go to the website um a little ways down click on uh, become a guest host and uh, hopefully you too can be on here you know, maybe telling the your your friend's story or another self-advocate story or you know maybe you know yeah, your child or your person that um, has a disability and you want to tell their story with you uh, we would love that so Head over to the website, advocatelikeamother.org. Send us your request. And um, hey, this wraps up February. So we'll be looking forward to getting into March uh, coming up here. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for listening. As always, if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, we'd appreciate it and share this episode with a friend. Access resources, episode notes, podcast merch, and more at www.advocatelikeamother.org. And if you're a company looking to partner with us via sponsorship, please reach out to us on our website. And lastly, follow us on Instagram at Advocate Like a Mother and join our community group on Facebook. Friends, we'll see you next time.